Welcome one and all to a brand new episode of the Comic Multiverse where the world of nerd meat. Hi, I'm your host, Joel. Uh, I, I, I'm not where I normally am this week. I'm over in Victoria, BC. I will be for the next couple weeks. But Matt, I think there's an elephant in the room we need to address here. A big orange elephant with bad hair. This is our first post-Trump show, isn't it? It is. Man, that was a weird couple of days, wasn't it? It, it, it was really weird. Like, uh, the, the internet collectively got triggered and yep. had a heart attack and then decided to go burn stuff. If there, were, if there was like a sound effect that I think could sum it up for me personally, and I'm sure everyone else would agree, it was a giant collective sigh, just a big... <sighs> <laughs> And and thank you everyone who wrote nice comments on uh, the Doctor Strange spoiler cast that actually came out on that Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday was the election. Everyone said, you know, basically, hey, thank you, Joel and Matt, for giving me something nice and funny to listen to. I really needed that. And, you know, we'll always be here on the Comic Multiverse to try and make you feel better. Yeah, it's our job. But, yeah, I mean, you know, how, how, how we feel now that, you know, the Emperor is basically in charge. <laughs> a hybrid between Palpatine, Skeletor, and James Bond villain. Pretty much. Unlimited Hedgehog. <laughs> for now and forever. Jesus Christ. You know, it's it's even funnier, and we'll talk about this when we talk about, like, the comics we read this week, but Nick Spencer, the current Captain America writer, did something really brilliant by having the Red Skull more or less embody this new crazy alt-right movement being like, oh, you know, it started in Greece and Europe and now it's here in America and, like, absolutely making the Red Skull be a Donald Trump stand-in. I bet he <laughs> didn't think he'd actually win, though, when he was writing that story. Well, the thing is, like, it doesn't matter who won, he would have been right anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I would really like now, and I wouldn't be shocked if he did this, if they scrapped every idea they had planned for that book and be like no now red skull needs to keep winning and he needs to become president and then the avengers need to fight him and that's your ne that's your next big summer event is what that is <laughs> president hydra <laughs> clear and present hydra that's what you could call it <laughs> i'd read it i'd read it nine times but uh, i would yeah. as well <laughs> but yeah as i mentioned before uh, i'm traveling for the last couple of weeks, it's funny. But people said there, it's like, oh, geez, Donald Trump. Well, I'm, I'm leaving America now. I'm moving to Canada. I live in Canada. What did I do? I went even deeper into the provinces. Now I went to the <laughs> hippier, granola-y, more trendy coffee shop side of the country. Is what I went to. I'm in Victoria, BC, where I am right now, visiting some family. Oh, I, I, I had fun, Matt. I got to feed the seals. I got to go to the ocean. It was a great time. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, doing some cool stuff here. A uh, lot of really cool comic shops in the city. I got to go to a place called Cherry Bomb, which is like this retro action figure shop. They sell comics, too. But upstairs, they had like an actual like toy museum. Huh, cool. Yeah, they had like original first-run G.I. Joes, like right after World War II, still in the box and everything. I thought that was pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. It was funny, though, to travel post this Trump thing, because just everywhere I went, people were either really depressed or really happy. <laughs> it was quite a thing, and I, I had a very weird experience, because I actually got pulled aside in the airport for extra screening. And I'm like, okay, what, what the hell is up with this? Keep in mind, I've maybe only 
ridden on a plane three times in my whole life. I'm like, why am I getting pulled aside for extra screening? Uh, turns out there's like an old IRA guy whose name is also Joel Daly. <laughs> yeah. You you run them with those Irish Irish fucking um terrorists, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently. The dude was like fifty nine and like they looked me over once. It's like, I'm guessing you're not this guy, huh? You're not related to him? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Okay, we just had to check. So you know that they, they put away the big blue gloves that were going to go up up my tuchus, up my butthole. <laughs> they were done with that. <laughs> But that was a funny situation. And then it got even weirder from there. So, like, I'm at the snack stand, right, trying to get some gum to pop my ears for the ride, you know, because I I like that. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I remember about flying. Your ears get all messed up. And all around me, I see this dark shadow following me, and I don't know what's up with it. I see it out of the periphery of my eyes. I turn around. It's gone. I see it out of the other side of my eyes. Boom, it's gone. I'm getting really freaked out. I'm ready to go up and pay for my stuff. It's only when I look behind me. I, I assume death was following me, just, you know, the grim specter of death, that this is how I die. Uh, no, it was just a kindly Hasidic Jewish man who was like, hey man, you dropped your headphones. Yeah, but he was dressed like the Undertaker. He had the big black coat and the hat and the gloves and everything. I'm like, oh good, you're not death. That's, that's good. That's cool. That's how they get you. They, get, they lure you into a false sense of security and then... Bam, he touches you and you die. That's how you die. Hey, you you dropped your headphones. Here, take them. <laughs> take them in the internal embrace. No, no, I'm good, man. I can buy them when I'm on the plane. It's all good, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's been my week. It's been nuts. Well, what about you, Matt? Me, I've just been trying to catch up with reviews and everything. Mm, big week, lots of, lots of comics. Lots of solid comics, too. I've liked pretty much everything I've read the last little bit. Yeah, we also got some really cool trailers for movies that are coming out. That new Ghost in the Shell movie looks really cool. See, I skip that because it's just like, you know, I never watched the original anime version, so I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I know this movie has become kind of a lightning rod recently on a number of different issues. But hey, you know what? If you say it's cool, I'm I'm taking it you watch the anime. So if you think it's cool, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I watched the anime and it looks like it's a pretty... um... Faithful, faithful ad- adaptation. I know, like at the start, there's in the anime at the start of the movie, there's like this really great where she's like a scene, killing folks. Yeah, yeah. Where, no, where she's like being made, right? And and it's like a big five minute sequence, and apparently they recreated that shot oh. for shot in the movie, like Westworld. Yep, <laughs> man, I, that's a show I got into on the ride here. I got all caught up on Westworld. Man, that show's pretty great. It is. It's really great. I I can't wait for tonight's episode. Apparently, it's a really big episode. Ooh, I like that that show is filled with video game logic is what it's filled with. <laughs> well, it is. It's like a big video game. It is. I love the one jerk player who's like, no, he's just going to get you into a side quest. Don't pay attention to the story. Just shoot the prostitutes. <laughs> That's the best way to get your money's worth in this 40 grand a day game. <laughs> Man, it better be a great game for forty grand a day. Seems like a pretty good game. I'd love to see that. Uh, what is it, friggin' the, the All Father Ford? If he starts rolling out like uh, DLC and patches, <laughs> just to really make it like a game. Like, oh my god, we got to do an upload patch before we can even get into the park. God. <laughs> oh jeez, everything crashed again. The servers, jeez. Oh no. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a cool show, Westworld. I'm all about that. You know what also is a cool show, Matt? 
and a lot of people were really enjoying this. This was this was kind of the nice bit of news we got before the terrible bit of news, which was the Trumpy, and that was that Young Justice season three is coming. It's it's a thing now. It's real. And I caught everyone by surprise. Tell me about it. We hoped, we prayed, you know, we thought about it. I'll admit, Matt, I had given up all hope on it. Like, I am not afraid to say I had given up all hope on Young Justice Season 3. I'm like, if it would have happened by now, it, you know, would have, and it hasn't. But, yeah, just out of the blue. I'm cautiously optimistic, mainly because shows that come back due to fan fans basically whining to the creators and everything about it, wanting to come back and making change.org petitions and whatnot, usually they're not too good. You know what? It's really sad, but Matt actually kind of has a point there. You know, Family Guy when it came back, friggin' uh, Community when it came back, Arrested Development when it came back. By and large, most people don't like those new episodes. No. Which is really unfortunate, and I'm really worried about Young Justice 2, given the current state of Cartoon Network and their animation, where they're like, okay, we'll let you have Young Justice Season 3, but uh, it's got to be a comedy now. Yeah, and it's got to be 10 minutes short. It's only going to be 11 minutes, and it's got to be a comedy, because that's the thing. We only know that Season 3 is coming. We do not know what form it is taking. Yeah, and exactly, and we don't know like who's going to be in it, even if the animation style is the same. Mm-hmm. None of that. What what night, what network? Is this going to be a Netflix thing? Is Cartoon Network still going to air it? Because they did such a bang-up job the first time. (laughs) Yeah, remember they cancelled it because toys weren't selling, weren't they? Yeah, amongst other things, too. I mean, that show was rife with mishandlement, you know, them putting it on at wrong times, them completely and utterly uh, just removing the show for, like, months Mm -hmm. at a time and never explaining why. Yep, same thing happened with uh, the Green Lantern animated series. Mm-hmm. That one was also mishandled. That was the lead-in show, which that yep. was a good show too, and I'm sad we'll never see more of that show as well. It was a really good show. Especially because the creator of that show basically came out and said, yeah, and if we got another season, this is what we would have done, and it sounded yeah. amazing. Yeah, you would have gotten... It did sound amazing. Yeah, you would have <laughs> gotten to see Sinestro fall to the dark side and become a Yellow Lantern. We would have done our own version of Blackest Night with all those characters we subtly killed off. Oh yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. Would have brought in Shame. Kyle Rayner and all those other Green Lanterns. Too bad you won't get to see it now. Yeah, God damn it. We could have had like another animated universe like what we had with you know Batman, Superman, mm-hmm. Justice League, all them shows. God damn it. It's funny. Everyone wants those shows to come back, Young Justice and Green Lantern. Notice no one is saying bring back Beware the Batman. Oh, yeah, because everyone forgot about it. They did, because that For show... For good reason. <laughs> that show was instantly forgettable. The best thing about that show was the theme song, because it had, like, a sweet guitar riff. Beware. <laughs> that was the best part of the show. I could listen to that over and over again. In fact, I do on our loop sometimes. <laughs> that, was, that was friggin' sweet. Actually, you know, I was in the store the other day, and in the bargain bin where it should rightfully be, is the complete Beware the Batman. And they have a big sticker on there What's like, with several hours of unseen, never-aired footage. I'm like, yeah, all the episodes that never made it to air because it got cancelled. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the end half of season one or whatever it was. It only made it one season. Which, man, that's got a sting for the animators and writers and everyone who worked really hard on that show. Like, I didn't like it, but that's got to be such a smack in the face to be like, yeah, we're not even going to let you finish airing these. Yeah, and I bet they were surprised as well. It's like, but it's Batman. Anything Batman sells. I know, right? Even the worst Batman things do really well. To think the amount of apathy it must have generated in people for a Batman Mm -hmm. show to not only get cancelled, but to not finish with the episodes it had. Yep. 
I remember I reviewed it back on Comic Book Cast, and every episode was I'm like, wow, this is this is really dumb. <laughs> and people got mad at me for telling the truth and saying that it was dumb. People don't like the truth. I, remember, I think I watched like one episode of it, and it had um, I think it was Katana or someone in it. She was the sidekick. She was the Robin. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. That's basically all I can remember. It it had a great idea at its core, and that is, look, let's tell Batman, like a couple years into his thing, he's not the super badass that we know. Gordon is still a lieutenant at this point, and let's instead of having all the triple A villains that everyone knows and loves, let's use some of the minor villains, like you know Professor yeah. Pig and whatnot. That's a smart idea. Where they completely ruined it, though is instead of, like, writing new, interesting motivations for these villains, all they did was essentially have the, the like, lesser villains fill the void of the A-plus villains. So Professor Pig wasn't really Professor Pig. He was just Poison Ivy, but for animals instead of plants. Mm -hmm. Anarchy wasn't really anarchy. He was just the Joker in a white costume, and so on and so forth. That's all it was. And that was really unfortunate because it's like, well, if you're just going to tell the same stories, then why didn't you just use the same characters? Exactly. In fact, if they use the AAA villains, I bet the show would have stayed. Yeah, it yeah, definitely will. People would have seen, hey, that show's got the Joker in it. I'm going to watch that and yeah. like it. Yeah, it can't be that bad then. So that's unfortunate. I did like their take on Silver Monkey, though. Then again, Silver Monkey is a Green Arrow villain, so of course I like him. <laughs> Silver Monkey was the heavy. Silver Monkey was like the Deathstroke stand-in, although I think eventually they would actually use Deathstroke. <laughs> Now, the only reason I mentioned Beware the Batman in conjunction with Young Justice and Green Lantern is that they were both in that CG style. It seemed for a bit there they wanted to build, like, a CG universe. Yeah, DC CG universe. Ooh, that nice. I like that, Matt. I'm sure someone had that on a whiteboard in an office somewhere. Yes, that's going to be good. It's going to be good. Because you just know had they continued, the Green Lantern show would have crossed over with that Batman show at some point. You really you think so? Well, I mean, they use the same art style. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, maybe. And then they're like, well, if people like that, then we can launch like another show off the back of it. Yeah, that's true. And people will like that. Uh, but I mean, hey, say la vie. Well, what do you want to see for Young Justice Season 3, Matt? I did a video where I mentioned a number of things I wanted. What, what do you personally want to see out of the third season of the show? I, I don't know. I, I have to go back and watch the other seasons because I vaguely remember what happened in the end of season two, Invasion or whatever the hell what was going on. Hey, the, the, um, they're on Netflix. I wouldn't mind them seeing go on, you know, I don't think they're on Australian Netflix. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it go how Justice League Unlimited went and introduce mm. like, like minor, like D-list characters uh, as like team members or like, like, uh, stand-in team members they basically did with static and all those like you know runaway characters like the newer versions of the super friends they had samurai and el dorado and all those other ones redone they went pretty d-list actually Mm. yeah that's true i'm wondering if they can also connect the connect it to the movies because like Mm. some of the dc animated movies are kind of sort of connected to this well, the Justice League that they use in that is literally the ones from Crisis on Two Earths. It's the same character mm-hmm. models. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the same voices they recycle, too. Exactly, yeah. Which, yeah. Ooh, that's a big thing, too, they haven't mentioned for Season 3. A lot of the voice actors were happy that the show got renewed, but we don't know if they're going to get all the same voices back. 
Yeah, that'll suck if they don't. Hope they get Batman back because I really liked him, Bruce Greenwood. I think he I, he's probably my second favorite Batman next to Conroy in animation. I think he's the only the only name I'll accept. Yeah, he's got he's got a good voice for Batman. He's been in a couple. Of, he was he was in one of the better movies. He was in Under the Red Hood. He had all mm-hmm. of Young Justice. He's good. He's you know he's gruff but maternal. He's like your dad, Batman, is what he is. Where it's like, hey kids, but let's play some basketball though. I reckon if they don't get him, they'll just go for the one who's the Batman at the moment, that Jason O'Mara guy. I don't like him that much. Yeah, he's kind of generic. Here's the thing. Jason O'Mara, like, to give him a backhanded compliment, gets better with every movie they do with him, but he's still not great like five or six (laughs) movies in. Yeah, he's, he's at that plateau region now where it's just the same. Maybe if they do, like, 20 of these. Now, now here's a question for you, Matt. So, like, between Young Justice Season 1 and Young Justice Season 2, there was a gigantic time skip, and they introduced, like, a bunch of new characters. Like, in just two seasons, they had practically the entire DC universe. Do you think they would jump again? Uh, maybe. I, I, I might be um, good for them if they did maybe jump it in real time. Mm, oh, yeah. Like, when the show was canceled, like, when it airs so yeah. however many years is that well, like two years or something oh man if you do that then you know what you gotta do you open up on the show dick grayson is batman now oh yeah that'd be cool dick like all the sidekicks have taken up the mantles now dick grayson is batman static shock and dakota are going strong you know you gotta do that thing Oh, you know what? If you did that too hey look at these two new green lanterns hey uh jess hey baz that'd be pretty cool yeah, just totally start inserting them now and have them be new and cool. I'm trying to think what new young characters could you add in. Well, well Damien, I mean, you could have Damien just be like, yeah, Damien's the new Robin now. Oh, dude, you could do Grant Morrison's uh, Batman and Robin run where Dick Grayson is Batman and Damien is his sidekick. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Oh, my God, don't play with my heart. That would be great. Obviously, Season 3, two will have to deal with the cosmic side of it because at the very end of Young Justice Season 2, they reveal Apocalypse and Darkseid. Yeah, so then, yeah, that would be that'd actually be really, really cool. You could get all the cosmic characters in there, <sighs> oh, too. Oh, all the new gods. You could get your new gods oh. and your Orion and all those other guys. Uh, they actually did have the Forever People which is cool. You could bring them back. Uh, I think, because I talked to Greg Wiseman a long time ago in an interview that I think is lost to the annals of internet now for whatever reasons, but uh, I think he said when he was writing the show originally, he had like a whole timeline Bible from like World War II and the JSA all the way up to like uh, the Legion of Superheroes in the future. Oh my god, that would be oh the Legion, please. That's, that's an episode right there, the Legion, because the Legion are mostly younger characters too. They're all boy and everything like that. Have them come yeah. back in time and be like, whoa, hey, young Justice guys, in the future, Darkseid and Vandal Savage totally destroy the world. So you need to come and help us out. Oh, that'd be amazing. They also never did Brainiac on Young Justice. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm remembering Brainiac Five. Maybe it's from that Legion of Superheroes. I think cartoon. that's the one you're remembering. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? There's a lot of places you go. Oh man, wouldn't this be a crazy one? You turn on the show and you got you know Connor Kent, but you also have Jonathan now. I was just thinking that I'm like they could go like the rebirth route and just say like this is a new Superman and this is his son and 
there's a conflict between Connor and John because each of them is technically Superman's son. And, yep. Oh, that would be cool. And also, you could have Ollie Green Arrow be like, "Oh, hey, everyone, meet my kid, Connor Hawk. I didn't know I had him, but I just realized now." Oh, that'd be great. He's my half black son, and I love him. <laughs> he's got my blonde hair, and he's cool. Look at him. Isn't he great? Oh, and then you could have his young sister, too. You could have Imiko. Oh, look, I found all sorts of family I didn't know I had. (laughs) We're just pulling out new family from under the couch cushions. It's been a crazy couple years. (laughs) And comic fans would totally accept that. They're like, yep, this is the sort of stuff that happens in time jumps. Yep. Yep. Yep, people just run around. Yep, what happens? What we're trying to say is Young Justice Season 3, sky is the limit for that one. Yeah, well, we hope. We really do, huh? Man, I don't know if I'll be able to handle that if it comes back and it's not good. Yeah, if it, yeah, as we were saying, comes back with like either a different art style or it's like shorts, like Justice League action or it, something like that. If it makes me feel any better, it's knowing that Brandon Vietti and Greg Wiseman are still involved. They were like the two big people behind it. Yeah. But something also makes me think there there was some type of deal made for it to come back. That they had to make some sort of concession, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if they were only 11 minutes, that's fine. Steven Universe and Adventure Time do fine telling dramatic stories in 11 minutes. But still, it just wouldn't feel right. No. So, I guess from a really awesome piece of news to a really funny piece of news. <laughs> hey, Matt, you know Frank Cho? We love laughing at him, don't we? Seems like he's oh, always in the news yes. doing something silly. Well, now he just seems to be trolling everybody. So he gave an interview where he said, oh, yeah, you know, Wonder Woman, yeah, sure, I've had my problems with DC, but, uh, but yeah, I totally pitched a series to them, and, uh, and they love it, and I'm going to be doing it real soon. It's not going to have any of that silly gender stuff in it that's in other people's Wonder Woman books, even though woman is in the title, so you think gender's kind of an issue. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a couple days ago. DC came out today and said, what are you talking about, Frank Show, You never pitched us a Wonder Woman book. What are you, what are you on about? <laughs> I, I love it that he's now basically a troll. I, I like follow his, his shenanigans on Twitter and everything and what he does, and it's absolutely amazing what he's doing. Well, it's Lord just... knows people aren't lining up for his artwork anymore, so he might as well stay in the news doing something. <laughs> did you see everyone got really mad because he, he did a, um, over in, I think it was Italy or Spain or something, um, he did a... um. Oh, he did a panel on uh, women's issues yeah, on and comics. Yeah, women, <laughs> women's issues and comics. Just him, this one lone man, did a thing on women's issues in <laughs> comics. Yeah, like what a what a freaking troll that guy is. But that that bit got even funnier because uh, Milo Marinara, the famous yeah. writer of or, or artist of erotic nudes, who you know is famous for you know basically just drawing pornography, he got into a similar trouble over a comic cover. It was that Spider Woman cover. Yeah, yeah, and he and he was there as well, and he inducted him into the into the Italian Art Hall of Fame or something like yeah. that. And you know, like, okay, Marinara, okay, I, I will give you credit. You, you're having fun with this bit and being a troll. The irony being, I have more respect for Marinara because erotic nudes is all the guy has ever done. That's his thing. I can understand mm-hmm. why he's a little upset. Where it's like, no, well, geez, Marvel, if you didn't want me doing this, why did you hire me in the first place to yeah. make these? <laughs> Only to have people get mad at me, but yeah, so I it's it's just hilarious. Cho, on the other hand, he's a bit of a jerk about it, honestly, and like we can <laughs> laugh and have fun with it, but he's like, you know, well, I, I, I'm a I'm a artist for hire, 
but you can either take my work the way it is or not at all. And I'm like, no, dude, that's not how being an artist for hire works. I, I wouldn't get a plumber to come in to fix my pipes. He'll be like, no, I'm just going to fix them the way I want, and you have to deal with them. I'm like, no, I'll just get a different plumber then. <laughs> you can't just rewrite the rules, Frank Show. And he's like, I just did. <laughs> but yeah, I, I knew he would have a nice laugh at that one. So, hey, th- there you go. Frank Show got to be Frank Show. <laughs> Uh, and it's great. <laughs> he, he's 100% show is what he is. And uh, m- moving on from that to another piece of news, uh, this one was kind of expect or unexpected, but in a positive way. Uh, one of the Netflix Luke Cage writers is going to be helming a brand new Electra comic for Marvel. Yeah, and it looks pretty cool. She looks exactly like she does in the Netflix series. She sure does. I I wonder what their reason is going to be for that, if they even give a reason at all. <laughs> She's just like, oh, geez, I was digging in my closet, and look what I found here. Ah, I guess I'll just start wearing this now forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, at least with Daredevil, he's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to stay incognito now. I want people to forget that I was Daredevil, so I changed my costume. But with Elektra, it's like, well, what's your excuse? Um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but TV. TV. Yeah, the, them TV bucks is what it is. I changed my costume, and I got unlimited Netflix. <laughs> Don't have to pay a cent. It's great. Uh, apparently, this book, too, is also going to be part of a brand new Daredevil event that they're starting called... Oh, and I, I love the title of this. It's called Running with the Devil. Yeah. <laughs> so good, which is apparently going to include everything from Daredevil number 17, the Electra book, the new Kingpin book, which is coming out. I'm really excited for that Kingpin book. I actually really loved that Civil War miniseries they did. Yeah, that one was great. Yeah, I, I can't wait to read more about Kingpin and the Bullseye miniseries, which I had no idea the Bullseye book is going to be a miniseries, but apparently it's just going to be a miniseries. Yeah, it probably just ties into this Running with the Devil series. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I would love to read more about Bullseye, but the fact is what's so great about that character and so compelling is that you don't know anything about him and that you're not really inside his head and you don't know what makes him tick. Mm-hmm. He's like 100% unpredictable. He's he's a lot like Marvel's Joker in that way. Yeah, he's a wild card. Yeah, he is a wild which is funny because when you see him, what's he doing? He's always holding cards. <laughs> then he throws them at you. He'll do that. He'll throw them right at you. <laughs> uh, moving on from uh, Netflix-related news to movie-related news. Uh, remember a while back we talked that uh, the actress who played uh, Harley Quinn in The Suicide Squad was quite possibly developing her own solo spin-off movie because she liked the character so much. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that movie has a writer now. Mm-hmm. And it's the same woman who also just so happens to be penning the Bumblebee solo movie from this Transformers universe they're trying to build. <laughs> so apparently uh. if, you, if you have a spin-off from a bigger team set... You go to this lady, she's like the hottest one in Hollywood to find now. She'll write you a spin-off. Why does this Harley Quinn movie need to exist? Pardon? Cause, it doesn't. Because she really, because you know what? Because Harley Quinn was one of the few things people liked from Suicide Squad, and the actors really enjoyed playing her and actually took the initiative to try and get the movie made. But That's what, which honestly what, what is more would reason. Be about? <laughs> part, I don't know. I mean, would it be a comedy? Would it be serious? I mean, what tone would you go with this? Would it reflect more the Harley Quinn comics currently, or would it be more like you know Batman the animated series? 
Well, it won't be comedy because we know DC can't do comedy for shit. Whackity smackity do. It it it'd be stare at the camera comedy. Like, yeah. get it? Yeah. Get yeah. it, guys? Yeah. It's a joke. You know what I would appreciate, and I doubt they'll do this, although maybe they will, because apparently Margot Robbie said that she wanted to include some other female comic characters in this. Make it a make it a Harley and Ivy movie. Do like a riff on those like great stories from the comics and the animated series when it was just those two driving around being Thelma and Louise. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Make it like a road movie, heist movie, like they committed a crime in Gotham, and now they gotta, like, drive to Mexico or something, and superheroes are chasing after them, and the mob is chasing after them, and the Joker's chasing after them. <laughs> I'd watch that. That'd be a fun movie. That would be a fun movie. That would. I doubt they'll do the fun version of this, but if they did, I'd like to see them do that. No, we'll probably get Holly's origin again, and mm. then... They'll try and make it so that she hates the Joker, even though in previous movies it shows that she doesn't. And although, you know, although you know, Matt, if they did want to do like a big budget movie version of Mad Love, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? All right, that's kind of my jam. Get Paul Dini to produce, and I'm in. <laughs> I, I will say, though, this movie, you say, why, why does this movie need to exist? I will say it deserves to exist more than a solo Bumblebee movie. I had to laugh when I read that part of the headline. I'm like, oh, yeah, they want to spin off Transformers movies, don't they? Because they're all so interesting together, aren't they, Matt, in those movies? Yes, they're, they're a... Um... It's a painting of character development there in are, those movies. <laughs> they're a rich tapestry, and we especially need Bumblebee, the one who can't talk, to have a movie to himself. <laughs> we really need to know his rich, deep pathos, don't we? Yep. You see, he's a car, but what he really wanted to be was a truck. Yeah, and it's about him transitioning to a truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, now it's an Oscar contender. Oh yeah, and it's set during you know the Holocaust, as as it should be, you know it's set during that. But and we'll see how transitioning from car to truck really helped America win World War Two. <laughs> is what it's all about, and and also along the way, uh, a black guy and a white guy get along as well, <laughs> and, and in doing so, save America. Oscar gold every time. I'm all about it. Let's, let, let's make this movie now, Matt. You and me will go out in the field with the camera and we'll film this one. <laughs> it'll, it'll be great. It'll be great. It's going to be great. You'll see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Harley Quinn movie could really go either way at this point. Honestly, I'm surprised we heard any more of it. I thought this would just be a flight of fancy, and especially after the reception that Suicide Squad got, I would assume they would just kind of, like, play it off. But, I mean, I guess... Harley Quinn sells a lot of merchandise, Daddy's Little Monster. I saw a lot of those this Halloween and at the con scene, and so they figure, hey, just on the price of those shirts alone, surely Harley Quinn should get a solo movie. Yeah. She's big business, man. She's the new pillar of DC Comics. She is, and it's really surprising. I know, right? Like, we've always liked the character. I followed it. It's funny, because, like, this is a thing we saw happen, Matt. We saw the creation of the character on Batman the Animated Series. We saw her be one of the first real successful canon immigrants from the cartoons to the comics. To have a big mm-hmm. long run there and now to have essentially taken over Hollywood. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, and, and in a way taking over Batman as well. Yeah, yeah. Now it's now it's before it used to be like, oh, well, when's Batman going to show up in this Gotham story? Now it's like, when's Batman or Harley Quinn going to show up in this Gotham story? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. Uh, you know what else is kind of amazing? And you know, Matt, you might probably have seen this because I get the feeling you follow him on Twitter too. Uh, Dan Jurgens, the guy who's currently writing, uh, which which one's he writing? Is he writing Superman or Action Comics? I can never remember. Action Comics. He's writing Action Comics. He's also writing that abysmal Batman Beyond book, but uh, apparently in the last little bit, he got in trouble and angered a bunch of veterans and millennials when he was writing about, I forget if it was Remembrance Day or Memorial Day. No, we Canadians have Remembrance Day. Americans have Memorial Day. But he basically tweeted a very angry tweet very late at night where he's like, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's Memorial Day. Remember the veterans? You know, they didn't have colleges or safe spaces. They just rolled up their sleeves and got things done, unlike you kids today. And it's like, whoa, Dan, who's never served in the military? Where is this anger coming from? <laughs> he's he it was pretty bad but also he's kind of got a point about the millennials and the safe spaces and whatnot um but yeah the way he said it wasn't wasn't very good it was you know he has these outbursts all the time and it only took a matter of time before veterans like actual veterans of newer war stepped in and said hey dan who never served in the military yourself ptsd is a real problem don't downplay it like that and eventually a couple lines later he deleted the tweet apologized to the veterans but not to the millennials and all i could think to myself is he had another outburst uh back when john stewart was wrapping up the daily show uh i remember jurgens because i followed him on twitter and this actually made me stop he's like you know yeah fuck john stewart that little man piece of shit i'm like whoa dan <laughs> Where is this coming from? Because, like, you think, like, you read his Superman book, and he's, like, you know, sweet, happy, all-American. You're like, oh, this is great. Because, like, every time I read it, I can't help but read it in, like, angry Superman voice every time I do it. (laughs) He went from Superman to Doomsday in just a couple tweets. I'm thinking there's a guy who probably drinks and probably gets on the social media who probably shouldn't. <laughs> like, why, where's my phone? I'll just put a tweet out now. <laughs> no, Dan, no. <laughs> He's doing it again. But yeah, that was just kind of a funny story there because I know we're both big Superman fans here and really like his work, so I thought we'd have a good chuckle at this one. <laughs> and uh, from there we come to the, to I guess what you could call the main meat of the news this week, and this is a thing that I honestly didn't think we'd ever get a chance to talk about, and it's it's going to get very interesting, and I'd like to hear what Matt's take on this is, but uh, there's rumors, there's rumblings that the X-Men film franchise might be set for another reboot very soon. Doesn't surprise me, don't they reboot at the end of every movie? <laughs> every three, they sure seem to. This... You know, I at first I was going to, like, wipe this off and be like, no, nah, no, nah, they can't possibly do that again. But let's remember, A, this is Fox, who always mm-hmm. make excellent choices with their superhero franchises. Oh, yeah. Uh, B, like Matt said, don't they reboot at the end of every three anyway? Uh, Logan will be, uh, what is it, uh, what's-his-face's last movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, Deadpool is apparently running into all sorts of trouble now, losing their composers, losing their directors. Yep. So that one looks to be a little rudderless right now, and all their big stars, all their Jennifer Lawrences and all their uh, McAvoys and everything, they're done now, so they don't have the star power. Uh, Apocalypse not only didn't develop the younger cast of X-Men, like, at all, but mm-hmm. it also came in like something like two hundred million dollars less than the previous movie. 
So I'm sure they're getting very frightened. And if I was in their shoes, I'd be a little frightened too. Yeah, they're losing money and putting out bigger and bigger films. I'm sure they're like, but I thought we fixed it, though. I thought with First Class and Days of Future Past, I thought we got it right again. Yeah, you did, then you messed it up again. (laughs) You messed it up again, and then you made a really awesome movie with Deadpool that part of why it was awesome was because it mercilessly poked fun at how broken the other movies are. (laughs) So now even John Q. Mouthbreather can see the problems with this? Yep. So good job, guys. But I guess the big thing, and the thing that I wanted to, you know, discuss with Matt here and now, do you think one of the caveats of them rebooting could be in any way connected to the new X-Men TV shows that they're coming down the pipeline, like Hellfire Club and Legion? And bigger than that, do you think the reason they're so gung-ho about rebooting so quickly, do you think they made a deal with Marvel? Do you think they made a Sony deal? Maybe. In a perfect world, It's definitely possible. Well, like, Fox, they also they own the X-Men, but they also own um, Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four and everything. So, I don't, I don't know. Like, they could have worked some deal out with... Because I, I doubt Marvel Studios wants the X-Men, because that's too many characters, and they've already got their stuff mm-hmm. working, and, you know, don't want to break to focus on those characters when they can focus on the characters they own wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, maybe there, there's something in there where they got the Fantastic Four, or at least, like, the Fantastic Four villains, like mm, Doom and Silver Surfer and Galactus and whatnot. I would be perfectly A-OK with that. I mean, you know, maybe, too, a thing that pushed them over the edge. And again, this is in a perfect world dream scenario. I would love to think that they heard the rumblings and the rumors of how good Spider-Man Homecoming is right now with the mm-hmm. help from Marvel Studios, and they're like, well, geez, how about you come and take some of the pressure off us for X-Men? Yeah, and they probably saw, like, the reception Spider-Man got in Civil War and how good he was in that. Like, I mean, if I was a young intern or young president at Fox, I'd be like, guys, that could have been Wolverine. That could have been us getting the bump off the back of this. Yeah, exactly. They probably thought, like, oh, could you imagine if, like, our X-Men characters were in that movie? They would have been popular as hell. It's the perfect win-win for Sony. They had a poisoned franchise after Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Spider-Man mm-hmm. shows up in Civil War, which was going to be one of the biggest movies of the summer anyway. They did all the marketing, did all the hard work for them, and now when Homecoming comes out, they'll get to reap the benefits of it, right alongside Marvel and Disney. Yep. Fans are happy, too. You get a ton of good faith, because, you know, people aren't dogpiling Sony anymore, because we're like, oh, good, they come and let Spider-Man play with the Avengers, now we all get to be happy, because all our action figures can finally play in the same sandbox again. <laughs> just just saying Fox if you're out there listening and I mean obviously Matt some people listen to the comic multiverse just look at all the stuff we picked right in the CW shows oh yeah it would only do you good if you let the X-Men and Fantastic Four come play with the Marvel Avengers the only reason you're not doing it now is because of inflated egos yeah and even if it was just like certain characters to begin with mm-hmm. yeah so like, small. so like a yeah like maybe like Professor X shows up or something. That's or... a must. Yeah. Let, let, okay, let, let, let's do our five. Who, who are our five mutants that are a must? Wolverine, obviously. He's basically the face of the franchise, whether you love it or not. Mm-hmm. Xavier, same deal. Absolute must. Just such a cool character. There's a guy who's on the Illuminati. You gotta love him. 
You gotta mm-hmm. have beast. Beast. See, I love Beast. I think you could do it without Beast, but Beast is definitely my personal favorite good mutant, so I would love to see him in there. Uh, you gotta have mm-hmm. bad guys, so you gotta have Magneto. I mean, he's one of the best comic book villains ever. Mm-hmm. I- yep. I- imagine Magneto versus Iron Man. <sighs> imagine that oh. fight. Be like, oh, sorry, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, your iron suit is no good against the Master of Magnet. <laughs> Heck, imagine, uh, Imagine, like, Magneto talking to the Hydra villains or to, like, Red Skull and those guys. Be like, oh, so, be, be like, huh, so you're Nazis, huh? You don't say. Crush. <laughs> P- pulls up his wrist and shows them, like, the writing on his arm right there. Crush. Which, geez, I guess you would have to recast them again, but you could. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I wouldn't even mind, like, an older uh, Magneto, like how he is in the comics. Like yes, that. Please. Sort of like 50-year-old guy. Christoph Waltz is Eric Lencher. Oh, oh don't joke about it. <laughs> no, we, no, we gotta save Christoph Waltz for when we eventually recast Red Skull. Oh. <laughs> Look, he can be either. You can flip a coin and he can be either one. So, okay, so we got Wolverine, we got Xavier, we got Beast, we got Magneto. Who's, uh, who, 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 who's the fifth one? I guess we should get a woman in there. I would say either Mystique or Jean Grey. I'd probably say Jean Grey, maybe Rogue. Oh, you know, I would like Rogue a lot, too. But make her cartoon Rogue, finally. Make her fiery Southern Belle Rogue, finally. That'd be pretty cool. Where she's super strong, and she can fly, and she can do... Well, here's the thing, because we'll have Captain Marvel, finally, Mm -hmm. in this universe. So tell that story. Have Rogue be like, yeah, I touched Captain Marvel at one point. Or (laughs) Miss Marvel, as she was at the time. And yeah, now I have all her powers. Yeah, that's why I can fly and I'm super strong and everything. Yeah, just just tell that story. And what's what's great as well is that even if they do intend to bring these mutants over, they they, they have like an easy in with this whole inhuman thing because they could just be like, oh, there's no inhumans, but they find out that they're not, and there's something in their genes that yeah has made them mutants, like the X gene or something. So they're like they're like an offshoot of inhumans, or people think they're an offshoot of inhumans or something. Be like, yeah, it's something completely new and different. As we've said before, Fantastic Four would be easy to work into the universe as it is now. I think there's a hundred cool and interesting ways you could get them. And mutants are harder, though, because it's not just one team of four people. It's a whole universe of characters. Yeah, it's a whole species, basically. And either you got to treat it as they're brand new and they've just shown up. Or mm-hmm. they've been here all along, and then you'd have to write some bullshit about how we didn't know. Yeah. It'd be difficult. I'm not saying they can't do it, but it would be difficult. Mm-hmm. Or you do the classic Marvel thing, you make it a tongue-in-cheek joke, and you just hand-wave it away. Mm. Well, you know, now they've got like characters like Doctor Strange and everything. You can change time and deviate timelines and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a big thing in Doctor Strange about Wong always saying, like, you change the littlest thing, you change the whole timeline and everything. Sure would be. Be like, yeah, hey, and remember in that fight with Thanos? You had to, like, open up a tear to defeat him? That was good in everything, but you created mutants while you were at it. Yeah, a virus, an interdimensional virus came through and infected half the population or something. Or better yet, you created a world where mutants already existed. Yeah. So the work's already done for you. I'd like that. But uh, yeah, so that's the X-Men news, and I would say either way, it's an interesting time. I I don't like not liking what they do with X-Men. 
I especially mm-hmm. don't like not liking what's going on in the X-Men comics, and I would really like everyone to play nice and get their shit together, so maybe I could actually read and enjoy the comics again. Yeah, it would be great. Because at this point right here, I have dropped all my X-Men books, and I have no intention of picking any of them up, except for maybe X-Men versus Inhumans, but that's more of a gotta see what happens here, gotta follow the Inhumans, because they're at least important now. Yeah, the only X-Men book I, I review, like, on a constant basis is all new Wolverine. That's true. I do that in Old Man Logan, but I don't even consider those to be X-Men books anymore because they're yeah. so far removed from anything that's actually happening in the other X-Men books. They might as well be things unto themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that, everybody. And I guess with that out of the way, we can hop into what we read this week. And it was a really solid week, wasn't it, Matt? It was. It was uh, a pretty jam-packed week, but... They were all really good comics. They were. Uh, I will let you go first. This is this has been the first time in I think two or three weeks we've actually had a chance to talk about comic books. Yeah, we we haven't talked for a long time yeah, about we, comics. Stuff kept coming uh, up. I'm gonna start with a book that kind of surprised me this week, and that is Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps issue eight. Oh yes, yes. I heard lots of people going on about this. Apparently, this book's been on fire recently. Oh yeah, you you haven't been reading it, have you? No, I've been reading Green Lanterns. I haven't been reading the Hal Jordan one. You you need to read this book. It's so good. Um, so last issue, both Hal Jordan and Sinestro died. Oh, oh. Uh, Hal uh, turned to pure will and blew up Warworld, which in turn <laughs> killed Sinestro. Which is like where um, on his top ten list of most baller things he's ever done. <laughs> so with him dead, his ring's gone looking for someone else mm-hmm. and um in the meantime the green lantern corps led by uh john stewart nice. heads to tom array's planet and fights a starro oh cool i always like it when starros come back starro was in two comics this week really um, good for starro yeah, in, in new superman as well um and uh, while they're fighting it, they actually end up getting bottled up by Brainiac. Oh, Green Lanterns versus Brainiac. That's going to be cool. I don't, I, and the thing is, I, know, I didn't know this was happening, and it was in the title of the story. The story is called Bottled Light. Ah. And, and I'm like, I thought, ah, that's just, you know, not going to be anything with the title. And then the end, fucking Brainiac, Brainiac 2.0 comes and he bottles the star and bottles the city the the Green Lanterns are on and here's a, taking them to the Grand Collector and everything. Here's a, oh. here's, here's a question. In DC Rebirth, what does Brainiac actually look like now? Because he went through like several redesigns in the new 52. Um, well, the one we see in the comic I don't think is actually Brainiac. I think it's just one of his robots. Right. But he looks like just like a Brainiac robot. Okay, I was going to say, when we see Brainiac again, I wonder, is he going to be wearing the dress, or is he going to look like he did in the animated series? Is he going to look like he did in the Jeff Johns run? What do you think he's going to look like? I hope he's the Jeff Johns one, big buff one. You like the one you <laughs> like buff? You see, I like, uh, I kind of like the cartoon one. I like the one where he's more robotic than organic, but that's just me. Yeah, I like that one as well. I, I like the Borg Collective one. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite. But then again, maybe I just love the voice actor a lot, too, because whenever I read Brainiac, I read him in that voice. Yeah, in that, like, Hal 9000 voice. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea, too, to have the Green Lanterns fight Brainiac. Have the Green Lanterns ever fought Brainiac before? I think in, like, crossovers and stuff, but not really, like, gone head-to-head with him personally. And it was a total swerve. Like, I had no idea he was turning up. 
it seems like such a no-brainer, too, right? Because they're all out in space together. You'd think they'd run into each other more often. Yeah, and also the the comic ends with Hal's ring going and finding the uh, the Guardians of Oa, who oh. were apparently dead, but weren't they were hiding out on the <laughs> Indigo Tribes planet. As they always are hiding out, those little Smurf mofos. <laughs> they're never really dead. <laughs> they're like roaches. You can't get rid of them. I wonder how long do you think Hal Jordan is going to stay dead this time? I don't know. I know he's he's literally dead. So and and so is Sinestro. So I mean, the book is called Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. So you can't really have a Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps book without yeah. Hal Jordan. I imagine um, Carl Rayner would be involved somehow in bringing him back since he's a White Lantern, and he can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else did we have happening this week? Oh, uh, All-Star Batman number four. I read this one. I, I kind of liked it. This is the awkward middle child of this series, I will agree. Yeah, and like the, the thing I said in my review, like I get Batman has to have gadgets and everything, but pictorial speakers is kind of pushing it. <laughs> He's basically Iron Man. He basically did an arc blast in this. Yeah, your pictorial speakers are kind of pushing it. What I laughed about it, though, is I'm like, huh, Batman actually acted like a bat in this issue. He was blinded and couldn't see, and he defeated villains via Sonic. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah, this this issue was definitely the awkward middle child of this series, because it had no real beginning and no real end. And Batman's dialogue was kind of weird, like him saying rock and roll will never die, and... <laughs> Just really random stuff like that didn't fit well with the character, you know what especially I think, in that situation. You know what I think that was a reference to? I'm sure you know the great meme page that is out there of Batman from a story. Uh, it's an Elseworlds story. I think it's called Fortunate Son. And in it, uh, Robin is trying to talk to Batman about music, and it's in that story. We find out Batman hates music. And yeah, Batman hates music, right? He hates crime and he hates music. And Robin's like, but there was a lot of good pun coming out uh, when uh, you were my age. And Batman's response, uh, again, this is out there online. I'm sure you can see. And he's like, punk is nothing but violence and death and the wailing of a beast. And it's like, wow, I had no idea Batman hated music so much. <laughs> so I like Scott Snyder's version of Batman is like, nah, Batman loves to rock. <laughs> <laughs> Batman has a bat guitar in the bat basement and he'll plug it into an amp and he'll melt your face. <laughs> That's all the next arc of this is going to be. Scott Snyder just telling a story of how Batman saves the day via rockin'. <laughs> he teams up with Jack Black and they have to have a guitar duel against Dave Grohl Satan. Yeah, they have to save the local community center. <laughs> I would read that. And because it's Scott <laughs> Snyder, everyone would buy it too. <laughs> I would love if I could get to a point as a writer where I was so well respected and you know so well reviewed and everything that I could basically just mess with an entire audience where I would just come out with the most insane story and everyone would try really hard to decipher its meaning and what I was trying to say. Yeah, just like write a story of like like Batman's night off where he literally just sits down and watches Netflix and it's like, but what does it mean? What does it mean? Is, it a, is it a is it a a commentary on, on socialism or something. It sure <laughs> is. It's all those things. Man, I love the part where Batman just scratched himself for two panels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he got right in there, too. Clearly, that's an <laughs> indictment of the new election right there. <laughs> and where he says, Alfred, more pies. 
good, good stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this this story was just okay. I hope it ends a little stronger. Probably my favorite thing I can say about this issue is I like what they do with the Duke story because it ends up, like, hooking back up to the beginning of it, and you're like, okay, so that's mm-hmm. what was up. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. It also makes me think the final issue in this one is going to be longer because they won't have the Duke back up anymore to deal with. Yeah, it'd probably be double-sized, and that way they can charge more for yeah. it. And because it's Scott Snyder, we'll pay it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, they know their market. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, I had Earth 2 Society issue 18. Apparently some crazy shit happened at the end of this. Some crazy shit did happen. So last issue, well, the issue before that, uh, Fury opened the Pandora Codex box thing, and it it's rewriting the Earth. And what's basically happening is... Um, um, I'm blanking on it. It rewrites the Earth into Earth 2 original. Ah, classic, you know, before they changed the formula. Yep. Original recipe, Earth 2. Yep, and it looks exactly like the same. Like It's, it's um, Metropolis that's in uh, the animated series. Ooh. Like that Art Deco sort of look. Love it. And then Commander Steel turns up, who looks exactly like Steel from... Legends, not not the not the JSA still the one but from the new guy. Yeah, the new guy. It looks exactly like him. He does and same kind of costume. It gets even funnier because we've seen what his costume is going to look like in that show when he eventually gets one. Because we've seen some pictures of all the CW show heroes together, and yeah, it's just like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he basically pulls a Terminator. He's like, "Come with me if you want to live." Yep. Now, do we think that this will somehow tie up Earth 2 Society with that new JSA book when they eventually end up making that? I think so. I think they're going to do that because this is basically just a restart for Earth 2. So Yeah, because yeah. they're, they're in such an awkward position when it comes to Earth 2 and the JSA because it's like, but we're already writing those characters, though, on Earth 2, just younger versions. You can't just go and make older versions of them in the main universe. That'll be super confusing. Yeah, and I, I think they are going to be doing that because when he turns up, he's obviously already a hero and everything, so he's probably part of the society or justice society or whatever the hell it is tell, in this universe. So, yeah. Tell you what, if Johnny Thunder from the DC Rebirth Universe number one issue and the Hourglass from all that uh, promotional artwork, if that comes back, tell me because I'll start reading again. <laughs> like, that's literally what I need. I'm like, okay, I'm in now. You got me. You won. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of olden-timey heroes, we had an olden-timey Avenger book this week with Avengers 1.1. Did you see this one, Matt? I did. I re- read it and reviewed it, and it was pretty good. Yeah, it was. It's a nice little blast from the past. You know, it felt like going to your grandma's house, only your grandma's Captain America. <laughs> Throwing her shield around. Yeah, I mean, basically, this is a retelling of the original 60s Avengers plotline when uh, Giant Man, the Hulk, and Iron Man had to leave for whatever reason and Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch joined the team. Yeah, and what I really liked about it is that it's kind of like a break from all these like cosmic-level storylines we've been getting with the Avengers and all these Marvel characters. So it's really kind of refreshing just to have some of them, have them fight, um, who, the Frightful the Five or something? Frightful Four or Frightful Five. Frightful Five, yeah, yeah. Which, which so is It was funny. really funny, really fun with them just fighting random villains. Loser 60s Marvel villains, which is even better 
because they're gloating about defeating the Fantastic Four, and then they have a little thing where it's like, this happened in Fantastic Four, whatever, so they're actually treating this like it's an actual old comic book story. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Also, Medusa's a villain, and on the Frightful Four, then I'm like, oh yeah, she was a villain for a bit, wasn't she? Yeah, that's the thing, like, and and that's like a big part of the the storyline in this with Cap having to train three people who were villains mm-hmm, that we and the just, world view still world still views them as villains which all this time later we just take it for granted that Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye are just like oh well, they're good guys they've always been good guys yeah but in fact they haven't that's kind of cool mm. uh, what else did you have going on uh, I had two, uh, Wonder Woman issue 10 ooh I haven't read that yet is it good Oh, it's so good. Nicholas Scott's art in this book, in this book particularly, is just on point. It is eye-poppingly beautiful. Absolutely amazing. This continues the year one storyline. Oh, nice. Um, and Steve, Edda, and Barb Grant take Diana to a shopping center Ooh. for the first time. And during that, a bunch of crazy gunmen come in and kill a bunch of people. Because it is America. <laughs> yep, because it's... Uh, Trump's America, you know. Um. <laughs> Even though it's comic book past, it's still Trump's America. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm sure um, he'll be rewriting it soon to where it's, it's, it's always been Trump's America. It's never not been Trump's America. <laughs> and um, this is sort of Wonder Woman's debut to the world. She, nice. she saves a bunch of people from these gunmen, and the gunmen are also tied into the, that truth storyline that just Ooh. wrapped up. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. That's a that's a nice bit of connective tissue too, because in the previous issue, they take Barbara and Minerva to the mall to get some new clothes because she's not a crazy cat monster anymore. Yeah, yeah, they have all these little little things they're connecting together, which is really great. Yeah, I know lots of people complain they have a hard time reading this Wonder Woman book because it keeps trading off every issue between a past story and a future story. I at least like that they put those little things, and I think that'll make it more enriching to read and trade when you do. Yep, definitely. It's funny, too, in that mall story. Now I'm just talking about old stuff that I like. Wonder Woman, uh, Etta Candy asks her, where it's like, oh, are you going to get something new to wear, Wonder Woman? She's like, no, every time I change my clothes, people freak out. <laughs> and she's so right. Every time they've ever tried to change Wonder Woman's costume, people have thrown a massive shit fit. It is true. Which I can agree, because, I mean, heck, every time they've tried to change Superman's costume, I get a little upset and a little antsy and be like, no, it was perfect the first time. Like, like, remember that jacket she wore at the start of the New 52? She did. She had a jacket. They changed the gold to silver. There was pants. Oh, my God. I can't tell you how many arguments I had about people who are, you know, pro-pants and anti-pants. And I'm like, this is the silliest argument I've ever been in. And then she had the DCU uniform, which had those random... But I uh, like knife things coming out of the gauntlets. Oh and, yeah, I, I uh, blocked that from my mind. You're right; she did have yeah. that for a bit. It's just like it was okay. She had it for like a month, and because like, that's how long DCU lasted. Mm. So. See, that, that's the problem with Wonder Woman as a whole, where it's like she'll have these great runs, then they'll just junk everything and start over. Yeah, she, I don't know how many origins she's had in like the last five years alone. This year alone, it seems like every book that came out was a new origin story for Wonder Woman. It's true. It's that, true. That, that being said, a lot of them were really good. I still think Bombshells did it the best. Yep. I really like Bombshells' new origin of Wonder Woman. I thought they take all the things that we know but arrange them in a different way. And, I mean, honestly, Rucka's doing that, too, taking all the things you know and love but arranging them in different ways. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I guess from Wonder Woman, too, we should talk about Superman in action comics. 
Yeah, 967. Really cool. Yeah. I really liked it. Man, to think we're going to be hitting 1,000 on that one soon. Oh, so close. And and this this issue, we were just talking about costumes. Yeah, They give a reason why Superman is in this new one. Freaking loved that. That was amazing. That was 10 on 10 right there. And it's a great reason as well. And, and it's a reason I actually thought of as well. It's like, oh, he's, he's gone for a more 52 look, so people sort of... Well, kind ease of into think, him yeah. as a new ease into him as a new Superman. I'm new, but I'm different, but I'm also classic at the same time. I'm everything to all people. Whole. Yep, it's a yep. nice touch. Uh, they also put the focus back on Lex Luthor here and ask some really important questions, and that is, hey, if you were a king of Apocalypse, why are you still hanging out down here? What are you What are you doing? I uh, just weaponizing this mother box. <laughs> Don't mind me, just weaponizing the mother box. It's all good. <laughs> and I, I do think though that thing we saw at the start where um, apparently someone from Apocalypse who everyone seems to think is Lex Luthor mm. uh, destroys Earth again with all the parademons and whatnot I don't think it's Lex Luthor I think it's someone else no I think it's too obvious because why would they show us the silhouette then never show us yeah. anything else I mean yep. you, you could the obvious thing would be oh but what if it was Superman who did it if they did one of those he, here's my pitch for you Matt and if I'm right everyone out there's got to buy me a coke what it, if it's Jonathan I was just about to say what if it's John or what if it's his sister ooh yeah lots of cool places you could go with this uh, imagine if Superman had to deal with that where it's like oh but these guys say in the future you become an evil tyrant well also remember um, I can't remember who it was but remember, I think it was in the DC special. Remember the that guy that Mr. Oz was saying? We haven't seen Mr. Oz for a while. No. Um, remember, he was saying that John is different. Yeah. He's different. And, and, and it's been evidenced in, in recent comics. You know, he's faster than Superman. His mm-hmm. powers are coming quicker than Superman's. Yeah. Maybe he's half apocalyptic or something. Ooh, wouldn't that be crazy? That'd be cool, man. I like I like the two time traveling assassins right there. Lacall the God Slayer and Zaid. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I know what I'm calling my next D and D characters. I can tell you that much right now. Lacall <laughs> the God Slayer. I mean, you better be good if you have the name God Slayer in your name. <laughs> See, I'm too much of a smartass because if I met a dude named Lacall the God Slayer, I'd be like, okay, what what exact gods did you slay? Can you give me their names, please? Yeah, I need to look them up on Wikipedia. And they and they better be good gods too, like of war and the harvest. They better not be like you know weak ass gods, like of tricks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like of um speed and whatnot. Yeah, they they, they better be gods of cool things, not like of lame things. <laughs> I, I don't want like some pagan trickster god no one's prayed to in a million years. <laughs> that has been going around killing the ancient Sumerian gods. They weren't doing much. <laughs> it was easy. They were all old and decrepit. <laughs> Better be like some hip new gods you were killing. Uh, what, uh, what from killing new gods to what else did you have, Matt? Uh, I don't know how we haven't talked about it. Invincible Iron Man issue yes. one. Yes, I was very pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah, the new Riri Williams comic. It was pretty cool. It was her origin, basically, how she was a child genius who mm-hmm. was bored. Yeah. Which is very much like Tony, and in fact, very much yeah. like many characters in the Marvel Universe. I like the child psychologist basically says, look, we live in the Marvel Universe, and if your kid's a genius, it means they're either going to grow up to be Reed Richards or Doctor Doom, so you better be really nice to her or she might kill us all. <laughs> 
don't don't let this be the first chapter in a super villain origin story. <laughs> and she fought a villain called Animax. Who are, is she like an X Men villain or something? I had someone tell me that they're like appeared in an X Men book or something. Animax is an on running joke in Bendis books. He has her show up and get beaten up by heroes on their first day. Really? Yes, I think she showed up in like the <laughs> very first time traveling X Men story when he was writing that, and she got beaten up on their first day. Oh, that's fantastic. And I like that she, she like, just attacks some little podunk town in Wyoming and she, she's, like, kind of upset that there's there's a hero there to, to stop her. She's like, oh, oh, good, I'm out of New York, no one can get me here. Ah, crap. Oh, god damn it, an Iron Man. <laughs> they just follow me everywhere, man. Yeah, this, this story had some cool and interesting stuff going on here, but more than anything, I think this first issue stands as a testament of what Brian Michael Bendis is capable of when he gives a shit. Yeah, and and I think he will give a shit about this character for a while since he created her. Yeah. And you know what? It's only a matter of time until she teams up with Miles, right, and Jessica Jones because he's writing those books as well. Oh, yeah. And pr- she'll probably, you know, join the uh, champions or something. Well, that's technically Wade, but yeah, I, I could see her joining that team too. In oh, fact, you know, she'll join the champions in this book. <laughs> oh, right, of course. I mean, man, we got such an excess of cool young Marvel heroes right now. You could have Robbie Reyes... And X-23 Wolverine and Riri and that new Falcon who's hanging out with Sam. You could have them all come together and join a team. That'd be pretty cool. Silk could be their den mother. And, you know, yeah, there you go. There's your team right there. That'd that'd be pretty cool. Could have Captain America's time-traveling son if he ever comes back. What happened to him? What happened to Nomad? (laughs) I know. No idea. When they had uh, Secret Wars, he had, like, a whole tie-in where he fell into a universe where Hydra won the war, and he fought them. I never read how that story ended, but I'm like, did he ever make it out of that universe, or did just no one care where his (laughs) ultimate universe son went? (laughs) I just like the idea that Steve Rogers had a son for a bit, and he loved him, and he raised him, and now no one cares where he is. (laughs) Except for Rick Remender, because he wrote both those stories, so I'm sure when Remender comes back, he'll write that character in somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Invincible Iron Man, really fun book. I think the sky's the limit on this one, especially with what's happening in Infamous Iron Man, because you know it's only a matter of time until these two characters start clashing. Oh yeah, totally. You know, they'll fight for who gets to be the rightful Iron Man, who gets to wield the armor, and I think that'll be sweet. It will be. Be like, hey, Doom, you're trying to be a nice guy, but are you going to mess up this teenager? <laughs> are you, are you going to hit a kid? Well, are you? <laughs> Doom does not hit children. He has people who does that for him. <laughs> Doom bots will. Yeah, really. That, that's what you do when you Doom. <laughs> what, what was interesting about this book, too, is because, you know, they give you pretty much her entire origin in one issue. They throw her in the deep end, but you as the reader get thrown in with her, and when she actually succeeds by the end of the story, you feel like you succeeded too. I like that feeling. Yeah, it's a good feeling, yeah. Because I know with Rira, I'm like, oh, you know, she has all the potential in the world, but they're doing this kind of quick, and I don't really know that much about her, at least with all these other characters they started. I knew them before they took up these new identities, but here they do a good thing. I know a lot of people made the comparison to Miles Morales in the early days of Ultimate Spider-Man, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I see I see the connection. Yeah, it, it's really cool. When, when Bendis is on his A-game, he can make you care in a very short amount of time, and that's his strength as a writer. It's true. 
He can also tick you off really quickly when he doesn't care or when he's bored. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that one, everybody. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, I had Poe Dameron issue eight. Oh yes, yes, getting that Star Wars on. Yeah, this was a uh, Terex Agent Terex centric issue. Nice. Uh, we find out a little bit more about him, and we find out that he was a stormtrooper uh, during the Battle of Jakku. Oh, and and him and a squad mate of his named Korlak went rogue after they found out the Empire was losing, uh, killed their commander and kind of buried their armor and everything. And they, they built this really cool ship out of the head of an Imperial Walker, TIE fighter wings and everything uh, to escape the planet and uh, go against the Empire because they knew they were losing. They were trying to save themselves, basically. And, yeah, it, it was mainly about him and everything and how he's now part of the First Order and he's got this cool set of samurai armor that's made Love out of it. all pieces of stormtrooper armor. That's awesome. And, and, he, and he, he wears it at the end of this issue, but it's a more from Poe as well who learns apparently of where... Oh, he learns of the location of Supreme Leader Snoke. Mm. And he's going after him. So I, I don't think Snoke's going to appear in this book. I think maybe that was probably a trap by Terex. Yeah, I was going to say, I get the feeling he fails, given everything we know. Yeah, but but maybe if like Snoke does appear, it'll only be like for a hologram or like a shadowy figure in the distance mm, or something. Right. But I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next. Man, I got I to gotta catch up on them. I got to catch up oh, on Ch- the Star Wars. Charles, Charles Soule's doing an amazing job, and it's art by Phil Noto as well, so it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks looks real pretty. Looks real nice. Uh, what else did I have going on? Oh, we didn't talk about Detective Comics yet. Oh, this is pretty cool. The the Victim Syndicate. I like them. They're a good idea for villains. They are, and what's really interesting is we actually find out who they are, mm-hmm. except for the main, the the first victim. We don't know who that is. Or even, we find if, it, if, yeah. even if they're a he or she. Yeah, it's kind of left ambiguous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I dig that. And I like that all they're, they're all related to Batman in some way. Like they're all like they were like ex henchmen of like Joker or one of them was infected by poison ivy for three months or something mm-hmm. and one one was the student of Scarecrow and everything. Yeah, they were they were all caught in the crossfire of attacks that were meant for Batman, more or less. Yeah, so I'm interested who the first victim is. Yeah, because she's saying, you know, I am the first victim, I am the first person you hurt. Yeah, I wonder who that could be. Well, here's my theory, because we see Leslie Tompkins show up in the book, right? And she is basically back to being post-war games Leslie Tompkins, where she's like, oh, Batman, I disagree with what you're doing with these children, with these sidekicks. It's far too dangerous for them to be out here. That sounds very first victim-ish, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. And I'm going to say, too, where she's like, look, I was your surrogate mother, Bruce. You know, I tried to help you, but you hurt me by becoming Batman, and now you're drawing other children into it. Other children who I've tried to help. Mm, it could definitely be her, but but in saying that, that seems a bit too obvious. It does. They basically had a big red flag of being like, oh, be suspicious of me. Yeah, so my th- I think it's someone else. Yeah, it's, it's, pro- else. it's probably got to be. But still, I I like that characterization because, geez, Leslie Tompkins has been all over the goddamn place. Sometimes she's young. Sometimes she's old. <laughs> sometimes she's fine with what Batman's doing. Sometimes she's not. <laughs> they really can't keep her straight to think this one old lady and no one knows how she's supposed to be. Yeah. 
I swear at this point they're just messing with eagle-eyed fans where it's like, okay, who can we keep making different and see if anybody notices? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, that's a fun book. I like that Batwing is back in it now. I was always a big booster of Luke Fox as a character, and even though they, he's basically a different character now, I'm glad he's back in the fold. Yep. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, well, the last book I read this week so far is Superwoman issue four. Uh, Lana is still trying to figure out what's killing her and what's going to kill her. Um, she gets haunted by the ghost of the New 52 Lois Lane. I heard about that. That's crazy. Yeah, I think it's something in her mind or something. Right. It's um, not really these a powers ghost. may be playing a trick on her or something. Um, but what was really cool and something I really appreciated was we had a character from the Superman family come back into Rebirth and hadn't been in New 52. Uh, and that character is Tracy 13. Oh. Is, she used to be like this kind of like a sidekick for Superman for a little bit in the early 2000s and then like had run-ins with like Blue Beetle and I think at one point she was like a sidekick being trained by Ralph and Sue Dibney. Yeah, that's where I and, think I know her from. Yeah, so she just like appears out of nowhere and is like, you have to stop Lena Luthor, she's got to destroy the city. She's, she's magical, right? I think so, yeah, yeah. I'm try I vaguely remember her. I had to like look her up. Yeah, she's a Joe Kelly creation. Yeah, I vaguely remember this character. Yeah, and this is that that thing that Rebirth is doing is bringing back all these like family characters. That's a good and thing. Everything. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. More characters is always cool. Yeah, that, but that was a really cool issue. I really liked it. Uh, of course I knew who Tracy 13 was, because Joel has a thing for hot goth girls. I will be sure to put her right <laughs> next to uh, right next to Black Alice and Raven in the pantheon of DC goth girls. <laughs> they, can, they can all hang out together. It'll be great. It'll be great. You'll see it. Everyone will love it. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, I guess if that's it for you for Superman, I have two last books to talk about, and these are both Spider-Man related. One is Clone Conspiracy number two. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Renew Your Vows, number one. Mm-hmm. I, will, I read uh, Renew Your Vows, but I didn't review it. Pardon? Okay, okay. well then I guess we'll talk about Renew Your Vows first. What did you think of it, Matt? Because I already did a full video on it. Uh, well, I haven't really read Spider-Man since, since Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> and you really um, don't have to. In fact, this is a good go-over because yeah. it's the same artist from Superior. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I thought it was pretty cool. I, I, the thing I really liked about it, though, was the backup story. Oh, that was my favorite. That was great. The comic the, strip style story of Superman and his or Spider Man and his daughter. Yeah, I really liked that one. But I, I thought it was a really cool storyline with the um, the mole man and whatnot. So I, I love he pawns yeah. his kid off on Sandman. If there was any villain yeah. you could pawn your kid off on, it's Sandman. Hey, can you watch her for a bit, Flint? Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's just building sandcastles for her. <laughs> I love that Sandman is such a non-threat. Spider-Man's like, hey, watch my kid for a bit. <laughs> I couldn't get a sitter, so I just got Sandman to do it. <laughs> oh, that was so awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, the book itself. Were you confused? Because this book kind of takes on after the Secret Wars Renew Your Vows. I wasn't really confused because I, I kind of knew that to begin with. Every, um, but, but 
but it was pretty good to it was a good starting on point yeah. for people who maybe haven't read spider-man in a while definitely oh yeah it's a very fresh start everyone on social media was arguing with me saying no joel it's not a continuation of the secret war story uh the writer jerry conway said so on twitter and then I'm like, okay, then then why are they talking about defeating Regent and everything, which happened in that story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, so far we haven't seen any mention of any other superheroes yet, but like Regent killed all those heroes in that story. <laughs> then again, you run into another weird thing where it's like, well, but if all the universes were destroyed at the end of Secret Wars, how is this universe back and being continued? That is, of course, unless Mr. Fantastic and his family rebuilt that universe the exact way it was... But some things were different, maybe some things weren't. And I'm like, oh my god, comics hurt my head sometimes. <laughs> and then I'm like, look, you know what, let's just agree we're all wrong. How about that? Yep. <laughs> we're all wrong, nothing is right, life is short, we're all gonna die. How about that? <laughs> let's just put a big old pin in that one. But yeah, fun story. Again, it's just, you know, this is, this is the Spider-Man story people have been asking for for a long time. What if he was married and had a family, had superhero problems, but also had married guy problems? Yeah, it's a great storyline. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is Conway doing it, who, of course, Conway is a legend in the realm of Spider-Man and Marvel Comics. He was definitely the right guy to pitch this one for, because basically he just tells a classic Spider-Man story, just with a couple tweaks and changes. Yeah, I, I much prefer it than the, you know, current tech billionaire Spider-Man. See, I don't hate tech billionaire Spider-Man. I know they got Oh, yeah, I, I don't hate it, but I much prefer this than that. Yeah, and you know, and that's the perfect thing now. now. Now we have chocolate and vanilla. Now we can service both tastes. If you like Renew Your Vows, you can read Renew Your Vows. And if you like the main Spider-Man, you can read that too. Yep. It's basic, basically everyone wins now. You can have your cake and eat it too, and that's that's wonderful. Uh, Clone Conspiracy, interestingly enough, I did not really like this when it started. This was definitely, like, more work than pleasure, but I knew I had to do it anyway. And even people in the comment sections weren't really liking and digging on it. This issue changed everything, though. Yeah? So, up until now, we were all assuming, like, oh, Clone Conspiracy, you know, more clones, this is gonna be a spiritual successor to all those stories people hated. Not really, because Kane shows up in this, and the last time we saw Kane the Scarlet Spider, he had died in Spider-Verse, or seemingly mm -hmm. died. He's back now and apparently has been fighting clones and new you all over the multiverse, because apparently these new Jackal clones, when they degrade and when they get off their pills and they go bad, they become zombies. Oh. And they've destroyed entire universes zombieing out, and he, Kane's been basically fighting a one-man war against these clones across the multiverse. Huh. And the reason the clones end up taking over is because Peter Parker and Parker Industries help New You and the Jackal. Huh. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool, actually, now. now, now you lost me, but now you got me again. <laughs> Yeah, that that actually sounds really cool. Because essentially what you're saying is this isn't a spiritual successor to the Clone Saga. It's a spiritual successor to Spider-Verse. <laughs> and you're bringing back all these other characters. We even got to see the first new meeting of Spider-Gwen and Peter Parker. Oh, cool. We did. They've been building up to that forever because, you know, she could jump in back and forth between universes, but she didn't want to see Peter again because she thought it would be really awkward to mm -hmm. see her again. Here they do a great swerve because, you know, once again, Peter Parker sees a clone of Gwen Stacy that doesn't set off his spider sense, and you think, oh god, we're going down this road again? Only it wasn't a clone at all, it was Spider-Gwen. 
so like they played the audience and played Peter Parker. I'm like, okay, Dan, okay, you got you got me. You kind of got me back in now. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me in the build-up was sort of lame, but now I'm interested. And they've even given Jackal a great motivation for bringing people back. Okay, so that conversation got cut short, because apparently you can't praise clone conspiracy for too long without getting kicked off Skype. And right at the end, too, we're only going to... We were at the wrap-up, basically. Yep. Now I'm going to have to tack this crap on at the end. Thanks, Trump. I was going to say thanks, Obama, but that joke doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah, anymore. Thanks, Skype Trump. Yeah, thanks, Skype Trump. Maybe you should build walls. I don't know, man. It's it's so unfunny. It's like that's the thing where it's like it was so funny <laughs> when we were thinking about it. But now that it's actually happened, it's not even funny anymore. <laughs> I had so many wonderfully catty jokes I was going to spring on my American friends. But then, like, when the actual news came in that it was real, they were all so bummed and so depressed, I felt like a jerk <laughs> if I actually said anything. <laughs> so I just had to sit on them, and I had to be a nice guy. But, yeah, hey, comics. So that was the comics for this week. They were all pretty good. I, I didn't read Batgirl and Birds of Prey yet, but I plan to. That's about it for me. What about you, Matt? Uh, that's pretty much all for me. I've still got, like, Supergirl to read, and then that's it. Nice, nice, nice. Big, solid week. Lots of good news we could talk about. As always, if you are a patron, you will be getting to hear this show first before anybody else uh, over yep. on the Patreon page. We're doing pretty good. I think we've been at like 95 bucks for the last little bit there, so we've almost hit 100 But yeah, again, if you if you become a patron, you get to listen and hear all sorts of amazing stuff over there. You do good by me and Matt letting that happen. Uh, you can always listen and download the show on Podbean if you want. Uh, thank you, for you, people, for reminding me in my travel I had forgotten to upload the Doctor Strange spoiler cast. <laughs> to their, look, it got up on YouTube, it just didn't get up on Podbean. I, I've done it for like 40 other ones, but I didn't get it for this one. <laughs> so thank you for reminding me. I will be sure to get that up properly this week. Yeah. When the time is right for that. Um, anything uh, planned on your channel this week, Matt? Anything you're going to be up to? Uh, not really. I just released a new part for my Superman and Media series. Nice. I released that last night. It's about Superman the Animated Series. Oh, my favorite. Uh, so so I think a lot of people will be happy with that. And uh, yeah, I got, I got some other reviews and stuff coming up in the next couple of days, so keep an eye out for them. Sweet, wicked awesome. Uh, as always, you know, be sure to keep your eyes peeled to the channel for more reviews coming up very soon. Uh, I, I got my TV stuff coming up soon. I've decided to start reviewing all the week's shows together. This is going to be a weird week because there was no Rebels, and there was no Flash, mm -hmm. and there was no S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. so I had to get a little creative. <laughs> There was Legends, weirdly enough. I like all the other shows. Took a week off. But no, don't worry. You'll get your fill of Legends. It's here. Don't worry. <laughs> no need to trample each other. You will see what is happening with Legends this week. Uh, I got that. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to review Westworld just for the hell of it this week because there's nothing else. Cool. And, and Westworld theories seem to do really, really well on YouTube. So let's see if I can't get some of that sweet cash. Awesome. And, and I think for a third one, and this is weird, I think I might review the newest episode of Saturday Night Live because it was Dave Chappelle and A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, it's the first one I watched in like three years. It was really good. Yeah, it was, it was excellent. And in fact, they've actually had two excellent ones back to back because before this, it was Tom Hanks and David S. Pumpkins. It's like, wow, all it took was Trump becoming president for Saturday Night Live to become relevant again with people who aren't me. 
<laughs> and next week is probably going to be good too because it's Christian Wig, who was a former cast member, and the former cast member episodes are always the best anyway. So there you go. Yep. Because Wig had like a million great characters that she did that they can now bring back for this. Cool. Man, you know uh, Dave Chappelle, he does really well with sketches, doesn't he? They should. Uh, he does. They, he's really good in this one. They should. Uh, they should think about giving Dave Chappelle. I don't know, like a weekly comedy sketch show where he could do characters and social commentary. I think that would be really. That would do good, Matt. Don't you? You know, maybe he could fill it out with some of his friends. Maybe Charlie Murphy could come by. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I'd like that. I don't know what you would call that show with Chappelle. I mean, if you gave Chappelle his own show, what would you call the Chappelle show? Um, Dave's show. Mm, I like it. I like it a lot. You could call it that. I would be. I would be all for Dave's show. <laughs> so on that note, everybody, we're gonna wind this one down. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that other social network jazz, and we will see you all next week. Bye bye.